All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Shark Show. I'm Danny, and I'm here again with my little sister. That's how Abraham would say it, sister, because he's <laughs> he calls the newer um, teacher in his classroom, whose name is Jessica, he calls her Miss Jessica, which is so cute. <laughs> and he says it with his name. He says, Abraham. 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 Oh. So, I'm actually, this one is going to be very interesting. So, um, before we get started, I wanted to just take a moment to thank everyone because for whatever reason, my podcast has been kind of blowing up over the last day or two and it's really exciting. So, thank you to any new listeners. I really appreciate it. It's really, this is like what I want to do. So, I'm super pumped about it. Yay! So that's my win for the week. Cool. And my Etsy shop has been pretty busy, which is also exciting. Yeah. Nice. How about you? Um, my win this week, I think it would be, um, oh gosh. So I had a market last night, um, and of course it, the feel the the temperature was like 105 yesterday. I don't think I've sweat so much before in my entire life. And I don't know why I try to look cute for these markets in some in the summertime. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> Your face just melts off. Just, everything is just melting. And so I had this like cute dress on and I had cute little earrings on, but then by the time everything was set up, I was completely drenched in sweat. Um, literally like the back of my leg just had sweat dripping down to my toes. That's how hot it was. And, um, there was this guy that was selling clothes, um, across the way and he was young. He was probably like 23 or 24, but I liked his style because he had a bunch of t-shirts just in a pile in the middle of the tent. And he was just like, yeah, go for it. So... (laughs) There wasn't like any real setup to his tent, just a pile of clothes in the middle of the tent. And he said that he had like a storage unit in Spartanburg or something. And he just, he's never even seen what's in this pile. He's just trying to get rid of it. So I was like, to do it. So I was like, sweet. So I grabbed like three t- giant T-shirts to just take my dress off because I had bike shorts on. <laughs> so yeah. then I could just put the T-shirt on. But they're so 90s, Danny. You would love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I got one. The first T-shirt I grabbed was a Fairfield University, which was where I went and got my master's degree. So I was like, oh, that's funny and random. A Fairfield <laughs> University T-shirt. <laughs> Down in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. <laughs> and it, was, it said like intramural sports, which you know is obviously Love so it. me. Um, <laughs> but the colors are all like neon. Uh, did definitely. you ever play sports? No, not really. No, I did. did. Jay and I both did, but you never really did, did you? No, I played like volleyball in middle school, but I hardly think yeah. that counts. I mean, I played it in high school. That was like my thing. Yeah, no, I. That's so I, funny. I never really thought about that. I was that child that tried every sport under the sun, and after a day, it was like I don't like it anymore, and just <laughs> didn't do it. Uh, so yeah. da- m- mom stopped sending me. I, every time I was like, "Yeah, it's I want to try funny. this." I know it is. And every time do I was you think like, "Abe's going to be our sports kid," but Ivo is not. 
And yeah. I'm not one to push. Like I, I know that there's like a team aspect of it. That's good for kids. And I appreciate that, but yeah, know that it can be really stressful when you push them to do something they really don't want to do. So I'm kind of just hoping maybe he wants to do something as he gets a little older, but yeah, I, I just want to work out at the gym and lift like I have, you know, like, yeah, that's cool. I think I can help me, him with that. <laughs> I think for me, like I wanted so badly to like sports yeah. And, and all of my friends in high school of people, there's like such a popularity aspect to it too. Exactly. You know, when you're in school. Yeah. It didn't bother me that much in high school. It was mostly elementary school. Cause I had so mm-hmm. many friends that were in sports, especially like soccer or something. Well, and and especially at that point, you're still kind of figuring out what you like as a person. Exactly. So you don't really know where you fit yet. Exactly. And I think also like anytime it was like after school, I didn't have like a ton of people to hang out with because everyone always had something. They had dance class or they had soccer soccer practice or they had softball or whatever. And I I did end up taking up dance when I was like, I think, 14. Yeah, you started Um, later. It's funny because that's around the time I stopped dance. I think I danced for like eight years and I stopped because of volleyball around 14. That was the one, that was the one thing I enjoyed doing and I kept working at it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it didn't, Oh man, I'm thinking of your dance recital. Freaking dance recital was the best damn thing ever. Okay. I'm going to tell the story because it's too goddamn cute. Okay. Which one are we talking about? When you did splish splash, we were taking a bath. Yes. So you were like four and we're all like, you know, I'm seven years older than Jesse. So like, it's the same kind of ideas. Like when you have a kid that is, you know, doing something in front of people on stage that you're like nervous for them, you know, and it was that same kind of idea and we're watching (laughs) and there's all of you guys at the front of the stage, right? All lined up right at the front and your thing. And all of a sudden, there you go. You start, you put your knee, your hands on your knees together and you start hopping backwards and everybody's still up front you hopping all the way to the back of the stage and you're just doing whatever you're doing something totally different and we're like oh no right and stairs after like and she and you go this is what you do is the best fucking thing ever you go did you see that we're like we did and you go everybody messed up except me we're like yep that's what happened (laughs) main character energy right there like idiots <laughs> so freaking good oh, well i guess i just didn't let it rain on my parade <laughs> you did it you're back there like fucking dumbasses you know, doing rain. you're all like oh oh my god so good. um but i didn't really have anything in particular for like a failure this week but my coworker did so i'm gonna tell her failure Ooh, okay i like it <laughs> <laughs> So uh, she had like gone away for a weekend and she came back and her nails were all like nice and pretty. And I was like, oh, I like your nails. She's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I always try to get them done somewhere like outside of Charleston because Charleston is so expensive when you want to go get your nails done. And she's like, yeah, they were only like $50. And I was like, oh, those look really nice. And a student, he's this little boy and he just looks at her and goes, they don't look that expensive. And then he just... (laughs) he just pranced off (laughs) and I just and her face was just like shocked (laughs) I was like he definitely didn't realize what he just said take it down a notch or two bitch (laughs) don't get too excited it'll look that great (laughs) 
Well, you know, obviously when you're home, like relaxing, right? Like I'll be at home relaxing and I don't have like a bra on because that shit's fucking annoying and it gives me a goddamn neck ache, you know? <laughs> and so when I'm at home here, we'll call this my failure, but it's on a fucking weekly basis. So it's ongoing. If I ever don't have one, this is the fill in. Uh, Abraham will come out and he'll like push on my stomach and then my boobs like so squishy and i'm like thanks thanks bro this is fucking sweet it's like a fucking waterbed you know and i'm like you're awesome you're making me feel real good about myself bro yep yep (laughs) they know how to really get you in the feels they really do they really do it's so that's that sour patch kid commercial so dead on yeah like sour and then sweet 100 percent yeah yeah Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm currently wearing a Newport, Rhode Island t-shirt that clearly looks like it's from. It's literally, it clearly looks like it's from 1996. Um, when you brought between, up the t-shirts, I don't know if you've seen them, but I've seen fantastic ads on Facebook for t-shirts. And man, I so I make t-shirts on my Etsy shop, which I've talked about uh, on previous episodes. If you want to check out my Etsy shop, it's Designs by D Bar. But that being said. I've seen some really, really cool t-shirts that are like old stores logos. They've been popping mm-hmm. up on my newsfeed and I'm like, oh my God, I want them so bad or I want to make them and I know I can't because like trademark and whatever. Right. They have like Ames and like um, Stop and Shop and like nice. so good. I want them so bad. Uh, I've been like really into novelty items lately. And especially painting them. So I've actually been like, I've been working on a series of paintings that I really want to turn it into a show, but I just haven't found like the right space for it yet. Yeah. But it's all, a lot of it is all based on like my time working with kids. And so like all the little things that they like is such a big deal to them is not really a big deal to us anymore. And so I have paintings of like Twinkies I did a painting of cosmic brownies. Oh um, man, those things! <laughs> gummy bears. I'm working on a huge painting of lollipops. I'm gonna do like bubbles and paper airplanes and like all this I love stuff. It. So I love it. Once I kind of get a good body of work together, I'm gonna start applying to places and hopefully it will be a full-blown show but I love novelty items I have actually have like a sriracha shaped purse yes I just (laughs) bought a uh, popcorn purse that's awesome it looks like a box of popcorn it's really cool well and then obviously you're not the only one because all the the purses Diane made our aunt Diane has been making purses with fabric made out of Jesse's paintings and they're selling like hotcakes. Yes, they are. Everybody. Yeah. They're so cute. Um, So I'll definitely need to get some more fabric. Um, I'm excited for she's making little monsters, like stuffed animal type things. They're Um, so cute. By the time like they get here, it'll be perfect for Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, I'm already working on Halloween stuff too. I'm entering the busiest uh time of the year. It's always crazy busy between like August and December. Yeah. Um, well yeah, that the that third that fourth quarter is like huge. It's huge. So it's like every weekend or every other weekend I'm busy and have like a market of some kind. So Well that's like when you start an Etsy shop, there's like a reserve on your funds that come in. So like they hold a portion of them, obviously for like 
making sure people aren't stealing money and whatever, you know, obviously there's reason for it. So my reserve is going to fall off right before, like right on like the second week of September. So I'm pumped because that'll make it a lot easier because I'm anticipating that there'll be a lot of orders filtering in right around that time because right now I have to front the money before I place the order, which is difficult. So, but I do, I would love, like, I would love to be able to get to a point where I can like offer doing like murals in kids rooms and stuff like that, just because that stuff is like fun and I want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I really want to do a pirate one in Abe's room. He's obsessed with pirates and I just don't have the time, but it'd be cool. Yeah. I've I've been planning on doing like a a mural on one of our walls in the bathroom because our bathroom's just so plain looking. But yeah, I thought about I it just in my bathroom too. Haven't found the time or the energy to do it recently, but I'm gonna have to like carve out a good day or two or something. <laughs> I wanted to do one in my dining room. I wanted to um, put up like a wainscoting, mm-hmm. and then the upper part paint a mural. And I had thought about it in the bathroom, but we have that like stupid like laminate wall textured wall like it's supposed to help with like mildew and stuff because it's a smaller bathroom but I I couldn't really paint over that so but I definitely want to try to do one in the dining room so we'll see someday 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 Um, when I make it big (laughs) (laughs) Um, but anyways I'm excited to find out what you have for me today and yes I'm actually this is going to be one that I'm really interested in however before I get into it I am going to do the liquid IV uh, spot here first just because I always forget and I do it at the end so I figured I'm going to do it at the beginning today and um, for those of you who might be new liquid IV is an affiliate that I have this is the first one I've had since I've had the podcast it's been really exciting and it's a really fantastic way to help support the podcast I am um, you know, working part-time residential cleaning. I'm doing the podcast. I just started a podcast. Literally, I just recorded the first episode of a podcast with my husband before this episode that we're recording now. Um, You know, I'm trying to get my Etsy store up and running. I have a lot going on and I'm just trying to stay the course while things pick up. And so this is a really great way to help support the podcast. If you, if you enjoy the content and you'd like to, if you're already ordering liquid IV, by all means, then you can save 20% with my affiliate code. Um, A little bit about liquid IV, if you're not familiar, um, liquid IV is a category winning hydration brand. Um, This is something that is really great for working out um, or even being hung over. One stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. Uh, it has 12 de- delicious flavors. And I mean that like, seriously, I love every one I've tried. I don't think I've had one that I don't like. I just got the sugar-free green grape and it's so good. And I haven't opened yet, but I have the strawberry lemonade one. I got that one because um, my older son wanted to try it. So that sounds um, like a jam. Yeah. Yeah. And so the nice thing is like the sugar-free ones, I haven't felt that they taste any different. You know, sometimes things have like a funky taste if they're sugar free, Mm -hmm. but the green grape one is super good. Um, I actually was just told by a friend that the pomegranate is really good. So I definitely need to try that out. Um, contains five essential vitamins, vitamin B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And it has three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. So, 
That being said, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and you use my code OSHART. That's O-H-S-H-A-R-T at checkout. And that's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code OSHART at liquidiv.com. So thank you, Liquid IV. And thank you, everyone who uh, supports the podcast by placing an order. All right. All right. All right. All right. What is that? Oh, Bob's Burgers. I love that. <laughs> I freaking love the mom on Bob's Burgers. All right. She's so good. <laughs> so I decided I wanted to look into um, a different area that I thought, I bet I can find something. <laughs> it's not even a, I bet I can find something here. It's that I know I can find something here. So for those of you who don't know, um, our family, Jesse, me, my older sister, Jay, who was on the last podcast episode, we are all from originally the Lynn, Massachusetts area. Um, every time I talk, about, I, I could be in like a different state. And if I talk about Lynn, Mass, somebody sings a song and I made a t-shirt of it and I can't wait to post it because actually I made it into a sweater, but it's, you know, the, the Lynn, Lynn, you know, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know, there's a little, uh, a little jig that goes in the city of sin. You never come out the way you went in. And so I was like, man, there's gotta be something in Lynn. Right. And there's a pretty crazy one in Lynn that I found. So really? that's what we're going to talk about today. Cool. And I don't know. I assume that our family knows about it, but it was from back in the 1940s. So, but this is the murder and myth of Francis Cochran. All so, right. Frances Cochran was 19 years old. She lived on Webster Street in Lynn, Massachusetts, and she was five feet tall and weighed about 100 pounds. So she Sounds was like Nana. <laughs> Sounds like you. <laughs> Definitely not 100 uh, pounds anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Damn kids. Uh, she worked as a bookkeeper for the Dudley Leather Company on Water Street. And she had um, a passion for cars. And so apparently she would never pass up an opportunity to take a ride in one. And right now that sounds weird. But when you're talking about 1941, what? what? I'm just laughing. I'm just picturing somebody just driving down the street and this little lady is like, hey, I need it. Can I, can I, I need to pop in? I need to get in there. Can I just get in uh, there? I just thought of, um, what is it in freaking 40-year-old version when he's like, when she's like, will my bike fit in there? <laughs> in the trunk of his car. <laughs> I anyway. love those uh those cars that have the light up on the bottom of the <laughs> Oh, the ground effects. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Ground effects from uh, that's so gross. I'm <laughs> having like PTSD from fucking two thousand two. I know. Um <laughs> so she worked as a bookkeeper and she would take a bus to work and home every day. Um There were like a few blocks between her house and the bus stop. And so she would walk the rest of the way from the bus stop. So on the night of July 17th, 1941 at 6 PM, she was on the bus on the way home from work in there's, there's a few versions of the story. So in one version, uh, it was said that she was on her way to buy a dress. Like she had told her friend that she was on a way to buy a dress for a dance that was happening later that night. And that she got off the bus and just walked away. Um, It says her friend, uh, I'm sorry, she didn't just walk away. Her friend watched her climb into the back of a square backed car. 
and that she appeared to know the driver uh, and that was that. That was the last time she saw her. And in another version, another individual stated that she got off the bus and that she had dropped a letter off in the mailbox on the corner and then began to walk down the street towards her home. And then from an alternative direction, a square-backed black car that was later said to be black with yellow trim and wooden spokes was driving down the road when the driver noticed her and they made a U-turn. They then pulled up beside her and witnesses say she smiled, walked towards the car, got in and shut the door. The car then drove off onto Chatham Street, which is the opposite direction of her house, and that was the last time that she was seen alive. So descriptions of the suspect were inconsistent. It says there was a general agreement that he was dark or um, and had slicked back hair. Now, she didn't arrive home that night, obviously. Her parents began to worry. So around 930, they called the police. They knew that she was not someone who would, you know, break her daily habits and just go off without telling them. And so since they knew she was so small and that she would be easily overpowered, they were worried about her. Um, Can I say something? Of course. <laughs> That's why you're here. Um, that seems wild to me because this is <laughs> now I'm not victim blaming by any means. But this is apparently somebody who likes to just like jump into people's cars because they have a car. I know. I guess, I mean, <laughs> obviously, it's so tough, right? Because it's like I, yeah. back, back in the 40s. So, you know, I suppose they were still like a novel thing to an I extent. Guess. And, I guess. You know, but uh, yeah, it's just I don't funny know. to me because it's like, oh, she's not the type to do this. I'm like, yeah, but she sounds, sounds like she's the type to just jump in some random car. So I don't I know. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good point. <laughs> well, uh, Who knows? Um, interesting. Okay. Well, continue. Well, I want to look really quick because I actually don't. So the first car was made in 1886. Obviously, that's the first one. So that means that clearly not everybody had cars at that point. So it was still right. probably extremely new. Like, I don't know. I'm sure like it was far more likely that people had cars at that point, but yeah, I, I'm yeah. sure there was still like, you know, where at this point, like so many people have exhausted all the cool car stuff. Like, yeah, it was still very new then. So I'm, I'm sure that was part of it, but yeah, I mean, she was only 19. So, but still. Yeah. Well, interesting. All right. I know. Uh, so that night, her father stayed up waiting till 3 a.m. for her to come home. Um, a car had pulled up to their house, and he went over to it to have a closer look, and there were two men, one in the driver's seat and the other was in the back seat. When he got close enough to the driver, the driver said, she's in the back. And the man in the back said, no, Francis is in the front. Then they took off. Like, what? What the fuck? Is that not so fucking weird? That's very weird. And then it's like, I, so I, this alone is like, so did they know her? You know, like they knew her name. Like, do people usually go, what's your name when they just abduct somebody? It did sound like she smiled at the people when she got in from both accounts of people who supposedly saw. So it does seem like maybe she knew this person. Hmm. So I, I don't know. Like, they obviously knew her name, though, to say no, Francis is in the front. Like, that's the weirdest thing. It's like, that is so the weirdest weird. Like, what? What? It's so weird, right? Like, I, I feel like it's like borderline, like, 
like paranormal creepy like are they like right were they like post like murder and in black <laughs> just weird right yeah very weird very weird and um, then like what's the purpose of like just i don't know like it says he couldn't even house. get a word out they took off before he could even get a word out and then so after that police kept guard on webster street and on july 20th at 1 p.m the local radio station aired a message from her parents saying if you hear this broadcast francis pre please come home or telephone at once if there's any explanations do not hesitate 40 minutes after the broadcast <clears throat> An unknown man called and said, if you want the body, it's off Danvers Road, off Highland Avenue and Swampscott Road. The police then drove to the site and found a woman's shoe beside the road and continued to search for about an hour until they found what they were there for. So they did find her body at that point. And uh, they... So after they tried to find the anonymous caller, but they didn't have any luck, they even broadcasted like a plea saying in the name of humanity for the sake of the mother and the father and brother of this innocent girl who was cruelly tortured and put to death. The DA urges you to come forward and help clear up this heinous crime, heinous crime, heinous, heinous, heinous crime. <laughs> but they didn't, you know, the caller never called back. So, um, I'm not going to go into like in intense detail around, you know, the details of what condition she was in. I'll do a little bit. So forewarning, if anyone um, is uncomfortable with specifics around this kind of thing, you may want to skip ahead or uh, come back for the next episode, whatever works for you. But uh, they did find her body in a thicket laying on her back with a stone under her head. Her head, her face was beaten so badly that the bones could be seen through a pair of gashes on her forehead right above her eyes. Oh my God. Most of her teeth were broken and an inch thick swamp stick was coming out of her mouth. <gasps> it was shoved deep in her throat. Her jacket was pulled up under her armpits and her blouse was torn and exposed her lacerated flesh. Oh my God. Um, you know, there were scorch marks on her shoulder, her neck and chest, which they believed was because the individual had tried to burn her body, um, but obviously was unsuccessful. Um, there were teeth marks on her and there were several dark hairs and a single red hair that belonged to a male. Um, and this did not come from his head just to give that uh, information. Oh, gotcha. I was like, where did it come from? I know where did it come from then. <laughs> um, so there was no time frame for her death because it was about one to two days um, until she was found. And, you know, there was a slow rate of decomp decomposition. Um, so they were convinced that her body was stored somewhere else, like a refrigerator. Well, they, you know, the killer figured out kind of like their next move. So... The suspects. Now, <laughs> the first person that they arrested for the murder was a man in his 30s who was, he was like a Lynn resident. And he was found at 8.30 a.m. on July 21st sleeping in his car, which was about 100 feet away from the old field artillery on Highland Avenue. When he was questioned, he told the police he was in New Hampshire for the weekend with a couple of his friends and became too tired to drive. So he had pulled over to rest. Um, they did research his alibi and released him. So I assume that means that they were able to clarify that and he wasn't charged. Um, his name 
and the name of his friends were never released. So we don't actually know who that was. Um, there was another suspect who was a young man who was married. He was, he had happened to give her a ride home from the bus stop a few days before she went missing. And he didn't match the description they were given by the bystanders. Uh, the police were so desperate that they gathered a group of middle-aged men. This is weird. So it says they gathered a group of middle-aged men who called themselves the Triggers it's a group of men who hung out in the woods around Swampskit Road and spied on couples having sex for, and they, they pulled these guys in for questioning. So weird. Like, who are these people? Like, why are they, why are they known like this? It's so weird, right? Like, they're, they're known for watching. Yeah. Oh, those watching. are the guys. Like, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. Is that? <laughs> it's like, it's like, silly Tom. No big deal. It's just those guys. So there's actually a police report that's titled Triggers, Ghosters, and Creepers Night at the Salem Police Station. Like, what is going on with that <laughs> report? Oh uh, um, so that document contains details of the activities that were happening in the woods, which is great. I mean, they knew they were like, hey, who needs freaking you know, CCTV in 1941, we just have these fucking triggers. <laughs> so weird. Creepers. Uh, those guys, they're basically just like security cameras. <laughs> they might be creepy, but we can just get the information from them. So. Um, so they had information about what was going on in the woods during the time when Francis disappeared. Um, however, the police never really came close to finding someone who matched the, the description after several arrests um, and about 1,900 interviews Jesus, and over 20 false confessions, the murder remained unsolved. And who the fuck does that? Who does a false confession? I, I, I know that there are people who want like the attention, but it's so mind boggling to me that anyone will do that. I know. Well, I also always think of um, making a murderer. <laughs> yeah, murder, where, like, where he was police, like kind of mentally slow well mentally slow but also like police back then especially when there was like a lot of um pressure to solve murders they yeah. would literally do anything and everything just to like basically torture uh mm -hmm. the people they're questioning into admitting it even if they weren't yeah you know, like well, that's and then, you know, you think about the fact that there isn't like CCTV back then. There aren't cell phones where you can like track where you've been. So you don't have as much like recourse and saying, I can prove to you that I wasn't there. You know what I mean? So like exactly. in that time frame, it's like, well, if you agree and say, yeah, I did do said thing, then maybe you'll get off lighter than if you didn't. But still, it's so fucked up. I know. Like, if we think the police nowadays can be sketchy, they were, like, ten times sketchier. Well, there was far, you know, yeah, obviously there yeah. was, like, far less, like, control In over that kind of stuff. I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, now, flash forward to July of 1991. So, this is 50 years after oh, the murder. I, was I like know, 1991. Old. You were, like, a little tot. Yep. <laughs> Uh, a woman by the name of Janice Knowlton had called the Salem to police department and she had explained to them that she had recently recovered repressed memories through counseling from her childhood. 
And so she had told them that she thought her father, George Knowlton, would bring her around the North Shore while she watched him kill several women. Whoa. So I know, fucked up, right? Like, uh, I see, and this is something I think I talked about on another episode where I feel like it's so difficult when you talk about, and it doesn't state specifically if this was any kind of hypnosis because I feel like that's so, like, I don't know. I feel like with hypnosis, like, isn't it so easy to assume that you could just make anything a reality in that kind of a scenario? Like, it doesn't, you know, I don't feel like it's necessarily able to be like that was factual you know no no I just don't know how they could I don't know that there's any way that we could know that but it doesn't say that so it doesn't necessarily say that this could genuinely just be like her having blocked out terrible memories from her childhood and then realizing that she had been doing it so um, the fact that they didn't bring that up I assume she didn't go under hypnosis so I think that this sounds more like she just made realizations that she had blocked out intentionally Um, so she had said she was positive that her father had traveled through New England and Los Angeles killing women. The LA murder in 1947 of Elizabeth Short, also known as the Black Dahlia, she was literally going to her father. I literally was going to say the Black Dahlia when you were, um, describing the woman's body. I was like, it's giving Black Dahlia vibes, but yeah, yeah. So she thinks that her father was the murderer in that that case as well Um, she also told the police she heard about this case and she began to have flashbacks of the details of the case and other specific details that never made it out to public because her father her father because her father died in 1962 there was no way that they could prove if she was correct or not Um, Mm -hmm. and she did write a book later uh, where she talks about this and it was, it's called daddy was the black Dahlia killer. Um, I just think this is crazy, right? That this is connected to all of that, right? Like it's yeah. so crazy. Um, so this became the name that Knowlton's father was well known as was the black Dahlia killer since the murder happened in Los Angeles. And it was one of the most gruesome murders they had ever seen. It was more popular than Cochran's murder. The reason he is referred to as the Black Dahlia killer is because the young lady he murdered, Elizabeth Short, supposedly, obviously, was an aspiring actress in Hollywood, and the media obviously referred to her as the Black Dahlia. So, And because of that, it was much more widely known by the media, and they had made that, you know, they had made a movie about it and all of that. Um, an author who was investigating the murder and received threats in 1993, um, a person had called her, this lady is uh, Joan Pinkham. And so she had, um, she had written uh, about investigating the murder and a person had called her and told her to stay away from the Cochrane case. But Pinkham says that she doesn't scare easily. She wrote the book in 1991 about uh, the murder of, Martha Brailsford in Salem, which now I kind of want to look that one up. (laughs) And she was planning to do the same thing for Francis Cochran. She claimed she knows who the murderer was and believes that they had died in the 1960s, which lines up with this other lady's claim that her father had done it. And so she knew that the person who had called her was not the murderer because it was well past that time frame. And she started digging into the case 
The person who had called her tried to scare her and to stop her from getting more information on the case, but she wasn't the only one who had received calls about it. And on June 13th of 2003, an anonymous mail caller left a voicemail on the Swampskit Police Department answering machine. <laughs> answering machine. We were just talking about <laughs> answering machine. <laughs> you didn't leave a voicemail. Uh, <laughs> it's not a voicemail. <laughs> Can you imagine? They'd be like, what's voicemail? <laughs> um, it's a recording. <laughs> in the message, the caller gave the police uh, good in you know good in quotations information about the case and also included an accurate description of the murder scene so, so it, it creates, creates um, Salem's sense of place because before people used to believe that there was a ghost and supernatural activity that was Salem was mostly famous for the myths in Salem are that you know the witches and all that are known as ghosts there and this case people believed that her ghost haunts swampskit road uh the memory in salem has been created through the spookiness of the witches and ghosts and this murder was remembered and sustained for a while when people would tell ghost stories about francis's murder before when the area was completely deserted they would dare each other to drive down the road without their headlights on and see who could last the longest <laughs> It uh, uh, in Salem without began... crashing. <laughs> I don't know. I know that's, <laughs> that's all I could it. find. They would just stare each other to drive. Like I assume to like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the road <laughs> okay. looks like either. Maybe it's a straight shot. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it just adds more to obviously the old haunted Salem supernatural superstitions. So yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's everything. I don't think it's ever been solved at this point officially because obviously the man that is assumed to have been the killer is not, not alive any longer. Although it does make you wonder if they found this red hair, can't they test it? But if he was never, you know, if they never had his DNA, then there's no way to to know. I, know. I just, I, it's a while to me. I don't know. I have no idea on like how much it costs to like do this kind of testing because it's like at this point in mm -hmm. this day and age you would think that would be like the first go-to for like I know. solving murders well, and there no, actually like have been a lot of murders solved lately in the last couple yeah. of years um because more and i think there's um i forget the name of the company um i think it starts with like an o or something like that um, but they've been taking on and funding for all of these unsolved cases to be solved through DNA testing. So they've actually been solving a lot of cases in the last couple of years. But I, of course, have no idea how much these things cost and why it's not necessarily the go-to, especially if you still have said evidence. But I don't know. I know. And that's why I actually just did a quick Google search because that's one of the reasons why I feel like it's like, I don't know, maybe there's like a really huge amount of like cases that are on backlog, but even still in the amount of years we've had DNA as, you know, a resource, we're not caught up yet. Like I don't, yeah. so I just did a quick search, although I don't know how long it used to take, you know, but it does say that, um, DNA testing takes about 24 to 48 hours, but it says the amount of time that it takes DNA to take DNA from a crime scene that can span as long as 14 days. 
but you know there's all these old cases that have dna like that one from portsmouth that was recently solved was solved because of dna but it was a case from 81 so like why did it you know every year they talk about that case in like the local news because mm-hmm. it's such a big deal so like why did it take until 2023 to run that dna right to find out who did it and then be like oh yeah they died like in early 2000s like i don't understand yeah yeah unless there's just a huge amount of cases and i mean i suppose like obviously there's going to be cases that are not necessarily murder cases and there's Mm -hmm. cases every day that they have to take dna from and run so obviously that's going to be a priority with people who are you know, currently needing to figure things out. Right. But it just seems like there could be a whole department that just manages these older ones. And like, how long would it take to catch up? Like, I'm. Yeah. I don't know. There. (laughs) Outstanding, you know, but yeah, because this one, obviously to have it happen in 81 and not this one, the Francis one, but the one I was just referring to for them to not be able to figure it out till 2023. Like, and when they make such a big deal about it, wouldn't that be a higher priority on the list? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It is weird. Like it does make me wonder. So they obviously had a hair. Have they not just run it yet? Like you haven't yeah. like just, just run that fucking red hair, man. Like <laughs> let's get this shit on the road. We can, we might find out the, the black Dahlia murder. Like, don't you want to figure that out? Don't you want to Maybe know? they did. And they're like, well, we didn't have any of his DNA. So there's no one to compare it to. That would be one thing, but like, I didn't right. find that information. So I don't know. But being that the black Dahlia is such a massive case, you would think if there was a connection to it, they'd do it asap right because who wouldn't want to be the person to fucking solve that i know (laughs) (laughs) well i'm also just thinking like this girl who said like she's got so you said that um she was also adding details that the public didn't necessarily know yeah yes okay well that's yeah that's different um just because and like they obviously do that on purpose so that if they do get information where details that haven't been released are provided (laughs) they know you have inside information. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is interesting. Um, just because I was thinking about how, like, you know, sometimes, like, you have, like, certain memories. Like, I know I have certain memories of my childhood and mom or even, like, Nana at the time would be like, oh, I don't know how you could possibly know that. You you weren't here at that time. And it's just mm-hmm. interesting how, like, everybody's memories are just, like, slightly different and altered, but it's, like, true to yeah. yourself, you know? Like I, I know, don't... and I I am that person who, like, I do believe in, like, reincarnation, so I do wonder sometimes if some of my memories are, like, muddled because maybe it's from, like, a past life or something like that. Right. Like, I don't know, because sometimes I do have memories, and I'm like, what is that from? Like, I can't even remember why I'm thinking of this place and what that means because i was that with jay was that with jesse like i don't even know why am i but i know that place you know yeah yeah well, i yeah. remember i remember um i have like a few memories of uh nana and grampy's old house back mm-hmm. uh up in jefferson before yeah yeah me too down. Like mm-hmm. I have, uh, I have like a few memories of like like family reunions and stuff up there. Yeah. Um. And I very, I remember the house. I always remember when we would oh, go yeah. there. 
uh, and it would be summertime, there would be dead flies everywhere, just like <laughs> piles of dead flies. I just remember shucking corn with Grampy. And yes. Like, like, every, time, <laughs> every time I have corn, I think of Grampy because all of us mm-hmm. kids would just <laughs> peel all the corn. Yeah. Um, but... I just remember that house was just like covered in dead flies because they hadn't been in the house in like a year. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't want to I remember what the, the kitchen and dining area looked like. I, yes, I, I remember, remember that the too. Yeah. But I remember, I remember when it caught on fire from the yeah. arsonist. Uh, which that would be an interesting podcast. It would be. It would be. Yeah. Um, because just for a side note, my our grandfather's childhood home was set on fire by an arson and um then it was turned into an archaeological dig site so yeah <laughs> he was very proud of that he would show he me was. that archaeological he was very like, proud magazine of that. because he was like <laughs> i have a lifetime subscription <laughs> i love him <laughs> but i remember when it caught on fire and i actually have a memory of walking through the house after the fact and i remember seeing the kitchen and the kitchen, I remember, was like the most damaged. And mm. but mom is I'm pretty sure mom was adamant that we never went to the house. I don't remember that. But yeah, it on fire. So I'm like, That's maybe so I just weird. saw it in pictures. And I'm just like, I don't know, thinking that I was there. I've never seen pictures of it. I don't know. I, I don't remember. Know. I remember so interesting to me. pictures, but I remember the kitchen in particular. I have a dresser from that house and the knobs on it because they're like wooden knobs and they're all like a smoky charcoaly color from the smoke from the fire. Yeah. I'll never paint those. I think it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just interesting how like you're, you like unlock core memories. You do. You don't know if they're accurate or not. It does. (laughs) It makes it so, that's why it's so hard. Like, I mean, if she knew details about the crime scene, then that's, you know, obviously that's a big deal. So I don't right. know how she could know that if they didn't make it public. I mean, I've definitely heard that you have memories that, you know, will always be there that you can access at some point for no known reason. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. there, you, you know, there are people who supposedly have memories from being infants if they have the ability to unlock them, you know, yeah. which I don't, that doesn't seem far fetched to me considering your brain, I'm sure has this information in there. We're just not in a position to access that information on a regular basis. So, yeah, but it does make you wonder as well, how you can know what information you're thinking of is accurate or what's maybe made up from like, maybe you're remembering a thought you had about the fire and what you imagined it looked like, but hadn't actually been there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I have no idea, but Um, it's definitely interesting. But I always like laugh though when I watch documentaries and they're like, you know, uh, it could be like in August or something and they're like interrogating a witness and they're like, where were you on the night of January 27th? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I would feel so hard. I'm like, I wouldn't be able to tell you what I had for fucking breakfast yesterday. Like, let alone what was I doing? And they're like, their story changed. I'm like, mine would fucking change. <laughs> Guilty as fuck without knowing. Yeah, 
know. I'd be sweating my ass off. Like, I don't fucking know what I was like, doing. I, re- like, I feel like the only reason people's stories don't change on each interrogation is because they're like, I'm sticking with that first one because I'm not fucking changing it. Because otherwise, there's no way they have all the specific details. Like, no. there's no fucking way. No. <laughs> so it's like the only reason the story hasn't changed is because they memorized that first fucking story, dude. Because like, <laughs> they know how this goes. Uh, oh, it's so true. But like even just like mundane things where, you know, for instance, the witnesses in this story, they're like, oh, yes, I saw her walking down this street and she got into this color car. And I'm like, I'm not noticing anybody else when I'm walking. No, down the I know. Like, literally, I'm in I mean, my I own world. Then, like, we're very much, we're like so much more stimulated now yes. with like yes. external shit than they would have been in the 40s but even still like even i can't say still, what it was like in the 40s you know I mean, even they still if, had whatever they were thinking about and whatever exactly. was going on like i'm worried about myself like <laughs> if i'm walking yeah. in the street i'm maybe like glancing around me but i'm not like taking it all in you know what i mean yeah um, so, so it's just funny when i like i'm like how could you possibly remember that how do you have that detail i'm not paying attention to anybody so <laughs> I will not be a very good witness, guys. I'm sorry. Like, I apologize to society, but I should not be a part of any sort of investigation. Yeah, no, I'm not going to help you out much. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. No. I agree. Oh, well, that was the case, and I find it very interesting. Yeah. But... I'm going to do because I missed it last week and I'm bummed that I had because I haven't missed it yet since, but I am going to do a missing persons. And this one is here in New Hampshire. This is um, McKenna Ray Marshall. Current age is 28 missing from Concord, New Hampshire reported missing on 622-2023. The investigating agency is the Concord Police Department. Black hair, hazel eyes, height is five foot four inches and approximately 170 pounds. Race is a white female, however, also goes by the name Kenny. And in the photo, if I were to have made an assumption, I would think that this was a male. It looks like there's facial hair, like almost a full beard and stuff. So um, I feel like that's important you know, to clarify. So if you do have any information for uh, the whereabouts of McKenna Marshall, you can reach out to the Concord Police Department or the Missing Persons Department at 603-223-3859. All right. And um, other than that, I wanted to just say thanks for coming back on with me. I know you've been a little sicky poodles. Yes, I've been sick, um, getting mentally prepared for the next few months, so I've been very, very busy. But mm-hmm. no, I'm happy to be here, so yeah, have fun. me whenever. One, right? Whenever. I'm so glad. Whenever. Wherever. Shakira, Shakira, Shakira. <laughs> 
<laughs> all right well i'm gonna well, go ahead and uh say goodbye i'm gonna try to edit this so i can get it posted and then i've got the other one to look at now too just because you know who doesn't like to spread themselves too thin <laughs> not me <laughs> my favorite thing to do <laughs> so it's clearly my favorite thing to do i'm really good at it <laughs> oh well it's all right Jessie, thank you. you so much all right talk love to you again soon love ya bye <laughs> bye everybody